Hi, neighbors. Welcome to another episode of the Praise and Worship podcast, where two deconstructed best friends deconstruct praise and worship music and other forms of Christian and secular media. As former praise and worship musicians, we'll do our best to bring unique, lighthearted, and insightful conversations to your ear holes every week. My name is CJ, and I'm joined by my best friend and co-host, Luke. We're coming at you from Louisiana and Florida, respectively. What's up, Luke? Hi. Hey, CJ. Hey, brother. Um, We haven't talked in a few days. Yeah, it's been a little while. So before we get to the music, let's check in with each other in our first segment called How's Your Walk? Luke, how's your walk? Uh, I'm doing good, man. I, uh, I, within an hour ago, I, I had just finished mowing the lawn. Uh, I talked to my mom, did my Spanish lessons on Duolingo, and took a shower. So <laughs> I had an early day at work today, so I was able to get home a little earlier than usual. Uh, we did watch another episode of that docu-series that we talked about last week with Hillsong. Oh, yeah. And, mm-hmm. and man, that gets crazy we still have one episode left it's a three-part series the first episode is kind of what you expect about a documentary about a mega church the second episode gets wild so i can't wait to see what happens in the third episode and uh hopefully cj you'll talk about that or you'll watch that soon and we can talk about that maybe on an episode yeah but, remind um, me remind me whenever we finish recording and i'll yeah, uh, i'll definitely uh, add it to the hillsong a mega church uncovered or something like that man I really should have <laughs> made sure oh, that yeah. was the name I'll of it. I'll definitely But if you that. look up Hillsong docuseries, I'm sure you'll find it. But yeah, so uh, as we're recording, 4th of July was yesterday. Mm-hmm. And so yesterday I made a traditional Vietnamese dish for <laughs> for dinner. Uh, it was uh, banh mi. As you do sandwich. on 4th of July. Yeah. 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 There's connections between America and Vietnam and... You know, Vietnam was uh, occupied by by France for a while, so you know I made banh mi. It's a uh, it's a sandwich with roasted pork, pickled vegetables, baguettes, which is the French influence. So I actually made my own bread. Nice, which came out really good. Uh, I smoked some ribs and pulled the ribs out to make the sandwich and pickled my own vegetables. It was man, came out really good. Some sriracha mayo. Oof. It didn't even so. We're recording on a Tuesday uh, for this episode. Usually we try to record on Mondays and we were uh, texting back and forth last night and Luke said, man, I'm, I'm cooking. I, I just, it's probably not going to be a great day to, to record on this Monday just because of being, I didn't even think about the fact of it being 4th of July that, you know, people would be cooking and having potentially family and friends over, but it worked out tonight, I think was better anyway, but. Uh, yeah. for for me too so it worked out uh and really just one one more thing i did mention i mowed the lawn what 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 do you do when you find a dead rat in your yard while you're mowing the lawn uh, mow over it right <laughs> i'm just oh, kidding oh god I'm just kidding. no i would probably shovel it and yeah throw it well, shovel somewhere. it where i don't want to put i want to put it in the trash can that seems disrespectful <laughs> uh and you have neighbors have like all around you yeah oh, okay. and i have a i have a dog so it's probably not the right answer yeah we, we just have like an empty lot behind us yeah. so in the past i've just like you know it's probably not the right answer so don't don't judge me but i just covered it with the lawn clippings <laughs> <laughs> hey, oh Freddie. man oh man Brittany's gonna listen to this when it comes out in a few weeks and she's <laughs> It's not going to be good. 
so how's your walk, CJ? <laughs> a pretty standard week, man. Honestly, any rats? No, no rats. Uh, Live or dead? No. Uh, sometimes the dogs get a hold of of critters in the yard. That's unfortunate, but it's just part of living kind of in a pretty heavily forested area just in the middle of the city so we get we get critters and stuff that run around but none of that this week <laughs> thank goodness good but i i guess the the most that's the craziest thing that happened this week was okay so you may not know this luke but there's a shortage of sriracha there's this big shortage of the green capped prodigy that is sriracha that i know i love a ton i eat it on basically everything uh, just quick interjection Brittany would not let me live it down if i didn't mention there's also an avocado shortage going around because every time i mention avocado she yells at me that there's an avocado shortage <laughs> i didn't know that <laughs> and anytime that i watch a youtube video even if it was from years ago about cooking uh she says but there's an avocado shortage so this is so yeah. mentioning the avocado shortage is going to make up for the grass clippings covering the rat. I, I think it'll oh, balance out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, so there's this sriracha shortage. So when Tracy went grocery shopping uh, the other day, she couldn't find it. So she got the Kroger brand sriracha, not a sponsor. And I got to say, I, th- I like it better than the OG really? Sriracha. Yeah, it's it's super garlicky. Like Sriracha, the name brand Sriracha is always, it's garlicky, right? But yeah. the this Kroger brand, it just punches you in the face with the garlic. And it's not quite as spicy as as the OG, but I like it. I, I think I actually like it a little bit better uh, once Sriracha gets back on the shelves and and all of that uh, yeah, kind of I blows like... over. I'll I'll do a side by side, but yeah, this is way off topic for the podcast. But I I do feel like the uh, original sriracha is more of like a seasoning, whereas other brands I've found are really good as a condiment. Okay, yeah, I mean, because I cook with sriracha a lot, you know, I'll add yeah. it in to a soup it, it or adds something heat, like that garlic a little bit of tang but like it's not great to just dip your chicky nugs no into yeah it. yeah mm-hmm. uh, you need to add something else to it to balance it but i found that other off brands of sriracha are much better condiments that you could just use straight away that's a good point and th- and this one is uh no exception it's it's really good by itself it's it's good as a topping or or cooked in something so yeah, I'm pretty impressed with it. So shout out to Kroger. Good job. Uh, didn't find it, though, when I went shopping the other day. So apparently everyone else is snagging it up, too. So that's a bummer. Hmm. All right. So as usual, our first segment is a Christian or praise and worship song, and this week is CJ's week to bring in one of those. So CJ, what's your song this week? All right. So I used to listen to this album a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. And actually, this song that I chose wasn't even my favorite song on the album, probably not even top three uh, favorite songs on the album. But I wanted to talk about it on the podcast because I feel like there are more jumping off points and more ways, more paths of discussion. 
So the song that I chose this week for the Christian song is <laughs> Jesus Freak by DC Talk. Oh, no, you didn't. <laughs> yes. Yes, I did. All right. Wow. <laughs> That's not where I thought you were going. Okay. Well, we're all going on a journey together back yeah. to the mid to late 90s, I think. Yeah, we'll talk for about that. For punk, rock, rap, Christian music. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. So we are going to take a listen. Uh, and if you are a Spotify premium, you will hear the whole song. If you are Spotify casual, uh, you will hear just a clip of the song. Uh, either way, we'll meet you back here in a few. Alrighty, welcome back. You guys just listened to Jesus Freak by DC Talk. Luke, what's going through your, your beautiful bald head right now? How dare you? <laughs> no, it... Again, it was better than I remember, but also not good. I, I In my head, I was listening to that. I, I was writing jokes to come back in, and I just... There, there's too much. There's too much going on here. I... I, I do think this mm-hmm. is. Do you know what year it came out? I didn't look it up. 1995. Okay, so a good five years after Nirvana, which they definitely ripped well, off. Uh, <laughs> well, we'll it talk definitely, about that. It definitely felt like the when it started out, it felt like Nirvana, and then they get into the rap part, and I was like, okay, that's they're ripping off Limp Biscuit. Uh, and then they get into the breakdown. I was like, oh, that's kind of like the Stooges, like that, like the old punk uh, discordant. Uh, I don't know. It, it just felt like they were trying to copy other popular genres of music. Mm-hmm. And man, my best friend was born in a manger. Wow. That's <laughs> that's quite a line right there. I hmm, I'm still <laughs> processing. You you talk. <laughs> All right. So. While you process, how about you tell me some word counts? This is our oh. this is our mini game called "What's the Word?" What is the word? Um, uh, one twenty six. Hey man, that's you know what? It's it's gonna probably be the highest word count of any Christian or praise and worship song we do. I. I think uh, two uh-huh. two twelve. Oh, you went you went too high. Um, <laughs> <laughs> One twenty six is my original if you, guess. We'll if you that. if you split the difference, you're you're almost there. If you average uh, that, one sixty one. Oh, okay. You need and those are non repeating words for those out uh, of you out there that might not remember or listen. Uh, first time listeners that we do non repeating word count. So yeah, 160 words, 161 words. I knew, I knew words. it was higher, but I, right. I knew there was a lot of repeating. Honestly, uh, honestly, I, yeah, I probably would have guessed somewhere around what you guessed. The, the 161 surprised me, even though there are a couple of rap sections, they're not, they're not spitting bars, right? I mean, it's not, I mean, I don't know, CJ belly and jelly. <laughs> come on marmalade jelly in fact <laughs> which talk about filling <laughs> syllable count um oh okay. yeah so for sure. so this was the lead single from their eponymous fourth album which was which surprised me that it was their fourth album i, I guess i didn't realize 
they were around that long before, but I think they formed in like the late nineties or I'm sorry, the late eighties, 88, 89, something like that. And this album, Jesus freak was released in, uh, 95. I think the single was released in August of 95. And then the album was released a couple months later in October of the same year. So, um, yeah, even there, I, I, I mentioned they, they were ripping off Nirvana, Limp Biscuit, and maybe Limp Biscuit came afterward, but even their name, DC Talk, I can't not think about ZZ Top. <laughs> right? It, uh, yeah, I, I mean, it sound, that sounds similar, right? The Disciples names do, not Christ. their music. <laughs> Disciples of Christ, I guess, is what DC means. I've never actually looked into it, but I'm guessing that's what that means. So musically, okay, we you, you kind of mentioned some some things, influential things you heard. And I did look it up. Limp Biscuit formed in 94. Now, I don't know if they had released anything uh, at, the, at this point, but uh, they, they did form before this song came out. So it, yeah, it's maybe possible. it's just maybe it's, it's just that era of music where they do the rap rock thing. And that was just popular. Yeah. That so time. so you got to think that this is uh, at the toward the end of the grunge era so yeah. people are trying different stuff and this and song hip-hop hip-hop was popular in the early 90s and so they were trying to right yeah things. this song's in f minor uh which is ridiculous because it's it's this song is inexplicably tuned a half a step up usually <laughs> if you're gonna tune a half step you're gonna tune a half step down but it's actually tuned a half step up. So you've got F minor, C sharp, uh, and A sharp or B flat for, for the whole song. But because of the way that it's tuned a half a step up, if you put a capo on the first fret in standard tuning, you can just do the chord shapes E minor, C, and A. So it's really fun to play but it and easy to play, obviously, but it doesn't sound as good as those power chords that they use but you said it right it's very similar to nirvana smells like teen spirit Mm -hmm. the the main difference though is that that little acoustic lick at the very beginning is actually a half a step down and it is almost exactly the same chord progression as smells like teen spirit but then whenever when you get that which is exactly what <laughs> Nirvana does at the beginning. Yeah. It smells like Teen Spirit. Yeah. Three three years earlier, by the way, they change the key. They pitch it up. So uh, it, it kind of it kind of marks itself as a little bit more unique, even though it's not really. It's just pitched up a step. It's a little derivative. Derivative, yeah. It's uh, you know I did make a note about this. This song. Looking back on it in hindsight, I wasn't thinking about this at the time. I just liked the song. I liked this record. Uh, This is at the forefront of the evangelical subculture's propensity to do what I like to call isolate and imitate, right? Where, but but I can't dog on this song too much because they're they're. Yes, they're imitating, but this song got a ton of radio play mm-hmm. on secular radio stations, not just really? Christian, yeah, not just Christian, I did not Christian know stations. That. And I think probably because it filled that it it kind of filled that gap from where grunge was starting to decline. And this is look, I can't fault them or their their um, 
record label or whoever controls the airwaves, this was the provides maximum coverage for spreading the gospel. Even if, even if from a secular standpoint, you're just listening to it because it's a fun sounding song. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. It's, yeah, I, I have trouble. Maybe in the back of my mind, I remember that being a non, you know, being played on a non-secular radio station because just a few years after this is whenever I gave my life to the Lord. Is mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> you know, once I became saved, this was still being played. It was still relevant, mm-hmm. and and people that I went to church with were talking about it and played it, and it was something that we it was high energy for teenagers and. Something that I heard a lot. I listened to it a lot. I used it to pump myself up <laughs> right. uh, at times. And man, I'm sad that I just said that. But <laughs> it, it, it is for, yeah, I guess for a Christian, it is a fun song. It's not what you hear in church. It's not um, what you would expect to hear it, with those influences that we, that we talked about. It is kind of like alt culture for uh you know mid to late 90s music yeah Uh, so you almost feel like you're rebelling because your your parents at that time wouldn't have liked it right right (laughs) you know so it does give you that sense of rebellion while totally just i don't know man these lyrics and and it really did it really did affect me in that time frame because i too became a christian uh, probably a year to a year, anywhere from a year to two years after this song came out. So it was very much still a big song and still on the mm-hmm. radio or still being played and the CDs being passed around and all that good stuff. So, I mean, in that respect, it, it was a good, you, you hit the nail on the head. It, it was a, a form of rebellion. Listen, my, my mom didn't really care what I listened to as long as, I didn't play it loud enough where she could hear any objectionable material. (laughs) She didn't really care. But as a new Christian, a young Christian, I felt like I had to listen to Christian music. And this kind of scratched that itch of I had been listening to Nirvana. Uh, My brother was a was a huge Nirvana fan, a huge Alice in Chains fan. So I listened to all of this grunge and borderline heavy metal kind of rock for for years growing up you know through the sixth grade seventh grade whenever i became a christian and so yeah it it was a form of like it's feels wrong to listen to this but you have a message behind it and so because of that christian message it wasn't wrong to listen to it but it still kind of felt like i was being a little naughty you know yeah well and Again, what we both talked about already is, is as, as a new Christian, this song kind of pushes all the right buttons. What will they say when they hear that I'm a Jesus freak? Which you're never more of a Jesus freak than when you first get saved. <laughs> <laughs> can, I, uh, can I say that? Okay, well, you finish your thought and we'll uh, talk about it. I was going to say, yeah, I don't really care if they label me a Jesus freak. It's like. I'm trying to convince myself that I don't, that I don't care. <laughs> yeah. You I don't know? care what people think. That's like yeah. a typical teenage exactly. thing. Exactly. And, and that, it, like, that's it's not that, true, by the way. <laughs> I can't remember if I've mentioned this before or not, but it's something that's always in my mind. The repressed other. It's a f- philosophical idea of whatever you're projecting is something that you're trying to hide within. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so saying that 
I don't really care if they label me a Jesus freak. Well, by saying that, you're already thinking about the other thinking of you as a Jesus freak. So there is some thought there. There is some recognition that other people are labeling you. So right. you there is some care. You do care a little bit because you're acknowledging that it's happening. Yeah. And so let's just talk about the chorus so we can kind of move on from here. Uh, what will people think when they hear that I'm a Jesus freak? Uh, whatever. These lines to me come off as virtue signaling, almost like everyone's staring at me. I'm a Jesus freak and they, and they know it. And look, look, they're all staring at me. They're going to come up and ask me questions. And it just, I don't know. It's one of those, it's like the old adage of you're maybe you're different from the people around you, whether you dress differently or you listen to different types of music than other people in your, in your circles. And you say, I just want to be treated like everyone else. But really when you're living in a bubble, that's kind of impossible. You're, I don't, I don't know what I'm really trying to say there other than you, you say like, I I just want to be treated like everyone else. But in the back of your mind, you're saying these people know that I'm a Christian. They know that I'm a Jesus freak and they're wondering if I'm going to preach to them or share the gospel with them. And it's, I don't know. It just comes off as kind of slimy a little bit. Yeah. But by making the statement that you're a Jesus freak, you are setting definitions between you and the other. Therefore, you know, you are recognizing that there's a difference between me and you. And that's not really what Jesus did. (laughs) Yeah. Jesus, he understood his background, but he also accepted the other. He hung out with prostitutes and widows and orphans and homeless and accepted them as his own, as in he became what the other needed and did not separate himself from the other. And I Mm -hmm. say the other in quotes because the other can mean just anyone different from yourself. But Jesus in the New Testament became the other to the others. Like he accepted everyone and was trying to reform Judaism to get away from the legalistic separation of uh, we're the people of God and and we are here to help you. It's like, no, we're all the people of God and we're all here to help each other. Right. Yeah. He became all things to all people. Yeah. Which is what Paul said. Right. And so this, this term Jesus freak, right? It, it was a pejorative actually from the Jesus movement back in the late sixties, early, early to mid seventies didn't really last super long, but they basically took this term, which was kind of a slur calling Christians Jesus freaks back yeah. in the day. And they made it a battle cry and and kind of put it into the mainstream, which I think is pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, owning it. Uh, yeah. You know. Yeah. yeah. I, I think that's and, and I think that even people in the Jesus movement back in the day, 50 or 60 years ago, were probably had embraced the term to an extent, but, but I'm not sure on that. And there's a lot of background information on the Jesus movement and it's fascinating and, and does kind of have a little bit to do with this song, but I don't want to go into that here. But if you, if you guys do want to do some independent research, definitely look up the Jesus movement because it, it is uh, really uh, wild stuff. Especially it's cool. because it seems to have 
uh, happened around the same time as the free love movement, the hippie movement. Exactly. The, and that was the um, thing. It was a, it was a counter counter culture, right? Like yeah. it, it was the response to the hippie oh, so, movement. So culture. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was, it was the response to the hippie movement of we can be these hippie kind of people, but we're Christians as well. So, and that, that's where kind of contemporary Christian music was born from and, yeah, it's it's fascinating stuff. So let's look at the verses because you know what? The the verses themselves, not the rap parts, but the part that uh, Michael <laughs> Michael Tate, uh, well, Tate sings the, the first verse and uh, Kevin Max sings the second verse. But anyway, you know what? Pretty solid lyrically. I, I really I really don't have an issue with it. I think these are some of the most solid lyrics in the song. Separated, I cut myself clean from a past that comes back in my darkest of dreams. Pretty cool internal rhyming there. And Man, if you would have if you would have used that as a Jesus or Jessica, I would not have gotten it right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I got one for you today, buddy. So, oh. <laughs> um, foreshadowing. Been apprehended um. by a spiritual force and a grace that replaced all the me I've divorced. Again, good internal rhyming. I I like the. I like the lyrics. I don't have an issue with them. Again, it's definitely borrowing from Nirvana in the verses, how it drops completely out and it's minimal guitar and just drums and and bass there. But yeah, verse wise, the only issue I have in the verses is in verse two, which I will say this. I love Kevin Max's voice. He has just a really, really great voice. So does Michael Tate and Toby Max fine, but um, in the second verse, he Kevin Max sings "Kamikaze, my death is gain." It didn't occur to me until we were literally listening to it a few minutes ago that does that sound like a suicide? That's uh, my well, my death is death is gain is coming from Philippians chapter one verse twenty two twenty one. Uh, well, for me to live. To live is Christ and to die is gain, right? That's where that's coming or from. Or like but uh, kamikaze. To, to, to die to yourself. <laughs> so, yeah, it is almost a suicide. You're killing your old self to become your new self. Although yeah, kamikaze is not the, gr- the greatest it's, word to yeah, use, it's, it's, considering the implications of... <laughs> there, of there's a history the his- there. <laughs> yeah, that's... It's a fun um, word to say, but so is the... Never mind. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, it, it's um that that's the really the only issue I have in the verses. I I've been marked by my maker a peculiar display. Uh, it's, that's fine. It's it is it is fun rhymes. I mean, especially if you're a new Christian and you're starting to understand you know more of the biblical text and, and you're really getting into the theology of things. Like this song does have clever rhymes. It does have fun lyrics, but from this from our standpoint as deconstructed christians and reconstructing speak for yourself uh, well yeah that, that's why i hesitated <laughs> cj um yeah it's just i don't know it's just not it's just not how i feel when i read these lyrics that's not how i feel about life and uh, i don't know man you you really threw me with this song <laughs> i did not expect this at all it, can we okay so the pre-choruses right toby max um rapping 
or whatever he's doing. Um, the first pre-chorus, he's talking about a street preacher, right? He's talking about a, a dude that I guess uh, doesn't have a shirt on, um, yeah. which is kind of weird <laughs> but uh, yeah. for a street preacher, but uh, you do you, I guess. And uh, the second pre-chorus is he's talking about John the Baptist there. Yeah. Um, which, which is cool. I I really like I, I think the pre-choruses are good. Again, from a rap standpoint, lyrically, I mean, come on. It's not that it's not very good. But <laughs> but I do like the inclusion of those. The the notes that I had on those just okay, the world sees these two people, the street preacher and the and John the Baptist as for weirdos or freaks, I guess, right? Yeah. And now the the guy in the pre-course, the street preacher, uh, they, they don't really talk talk about it. But I mean, obviously, John the Baptist was persecuted because of what he preached. And this guy, I guess that's kind of the same thing. Not so much persecuted for for being a street preacher, but maybe for the way that he looks. Yeah. I mean, you've got he's he's tatted up, uh, apparently shirtless. And obviously, John the Baptist was a messenger of God. He was prophesied about in uh, Malachi. It's important to remember that people don't have to look or talk or act a certain way or function inside of a proverbial box to believe what they believe. Right. Yeah. I, Jesus I, freak. I mean, how did I dress in college, man? Like, what? Uh, yeah, let's wow. Yep. <laughs> you were, much paler than you are now Uh and you had uh a how do i describe your haircut uh it was jet black Uh uh-huh it uh was reverse mullet swooped (laughs) you know what that is the best way that you could describe that haircut like listen just look up if you if you got a reverse half mullet swooped Right, right, right. If if you guys are wondering what he's talking about, just like Google early two thousands haircut, yeah, Yeah, emo haircut, (laughs) yeah, that's perfect. Right. So my point being, like, I wore a lot of black. Uh, My hair was black. I had a lip ring at one. It seemed like you were actively avoiding the sun because (laughs) I'm looking at you now, and you have like a. I wouldn't say that you're a tan, but you look alive. You look like you have blood. Flowing through your veins, but but back then you were so pale, and I don't the black, understand. The black hair didn't help. I mean, it definitely because I am pale, uh, but the black but hair no, just you've, accentuated you've that. You've never been more pale than you were, and maybe that's I'm so pale. Sim- maybe that's symbolic of uh, your uh, spiritual fulfillment because <laughs> you, you know you thought you were being spiritual but you're actually kind of empty and your skin reflect i'm sorry i'm really i'm really making funny i no, I, I love it i wouldn't have but, asked you for your input if i didn't want so you to roast just me for a context bit. i i was trying to hide the fact that i was bald back then so i'm not trying to escape any kind of physical criticism back then luke, um, luke was bald at seven years old so it's fine <laughs> 17 I started going bald at 17 when I, when I was graduating high school and in Sunday school and I was gelling and spiking my hair, uh, people were like, Oh, that's so cool. I could see your scalp. And I was like, eh, that's just cause I have gel in my hair. 
little did I know, two years later, I was shaving my head because, yeah, oh, man. There ain't oh no disguising the truth. Am I right? <laughs> yeah, you can only hide that for so long. That was uh, a lyric in the song, CJ. I don't know. I know. Okay. <laughs> All right, so let's move on to the bridge. <laughs> the moment we've all been waiting for people say i'm strange does Uh that make me a stranger that my best friend was born in a manger what (laughs) what (laughs) like i i honestly think that it's a good line people say i'm strange does that mean i'm a stranger that's a good line but then it is then you go Yeah, the idea of a stranger in a strange land, right? It's a biblical concept, and, it, and it's well-placed. I like that line. Could they just not have repla- repeated that line over and over again? Yeah, the, it, would have been, it would have been so much better. When we were <laughs> listening to it, I, I, I heard your response when I laughed out loud. <laughs> audible. Yeah. It was audible. Um. Man. We try not to talk too much when we're listening to songs because we want to save things for when we actually have the record button pressed. But I wish I could have recorded Luke's laugh. That would have been fantastic. Oh, man. I just, okay, so you're, I, I immediately think, oh, my best friend is a baby that doesn't, that doesn't know he's God. Or the other interpretation that I, that I can't get out of my head is, oh, my best friend is an imaginary friend, one that I've never met. One that I, I don't know, man. It's just, it's such a, it's, it goes from such a good line to such a bad line. Yeah, it, it, ru- it, it ruins everything, uh, it, for sure. Like, it goes from like a really deep philosophical idea to like vacation Bible school. Like, <laughs> on a dime, it turns, it's, it's so bad. Yeah, it, it's it, by far, by far the worst lyrics in this song. And, and by far the no- sharpest turn from deep to shallow. To- <laughs> yeah, with that too, man. Ugh. You know what's what's funny is so right after the bridge, my best friend was born in a manger. And then it goes oh, into yeah, the, they really the solo hang on that line. The, the solo. So we talked about how the the main riff of the song is kind of ripping off smells like teen spirit mm-hmm. the solo in this song is basically heart-shaped box which is another nirvana song which yeah, they, is I mean, still a, a couple they, years removed from yeah. that as well christian but, music definitely like three to five years later is totally oh yeah, oh, yeah. imitating yeah. the most absolutely. popular music of the day absolutely so let's do you do you have anything else to say about the lyrics no okay so i want to i want to do a <laughs> Just, little <laughs> I want to do a quick little where are they now kind of thing. Oh. Okay, so so DC Talk broke up in where they took a hiatus or whatever you want to call it. They broke up. A hiatus, you know, infers that they're going to maybe get back together. But anyway, so you've got the three members. You've got Michael Tate, you've got Toby Mac, and you have Kevin Max. So most people know if you have any... If you have your finger on the pulse of a of <laughs> Christian music, Toby Mac's still around. He's still doing his own thing. I was listening to a local Christian radio station the other day, and uh, it, uh, one of his songs came on. As soon as he started rapping, I was I was like, "That's Toby Mac, I know." And I looked it up, and it's sure enough. Now Michael Tate, 
he actually did a fair amount of solo work, which I've listened to quite a bit of his solo work after DC Talk broke up. But also, Michael Tate is the lead singer of the Newsboys now. So, oh, since um, actually for quite a while now, I think he joined the Newsboys in. 08 or 09 something like that so he's been with them for for quite a while and they played fairly recently at one of the local churches here and i saw a um a poster an advertisement poster for it somewhere and i would the it has the band all the band members and on the poster and i was like that's tate and then i looked it up and sure enough he's in newsboys now and Kevin Max. Kevin Max is probably the most interesting of the three for me, just in the little bit of teeny tiny bit of research I did. So Kevin Max actually moved on to sing for Audio Adrenaline oh. for for a little while. And he also recorded numerous solo albums. I think I I think I didn't write it down, but I think it was somewhere in the realm of like a dozen solo albums. So he's been pretty active over the years and shortly, um, I think it was like a year or two ago in an interview, he called himself something that I had never heard before. And I just thought this was fascinating and wanted to kind of talk about it just to end this song. He called himself an ex-vangelical, which I didn't know. I'd never heard that term before. I think it kind of speaks for itself a little bit. But yeah, so these are people who used to be in the evangelical church and they no longer are. And I mean, there's a whole Wikipedia on ex-evangelical. It's a social movement of people who have left evangelicalism, especially white evangelical churches in the United States for atheism, agnosticism, progressive Christianity, or any other religious belief. Deconstructing. Right, right. Right. And there was a hashtag that was coined by Blake Chastain in 2016 to make a safe place for people to find solidarity with others who have gone through similar experiences. And there's actually Chastain has a podcast called Exvangelical. So I'm gonna have to look that up. Shout out to him if it's still around. And anyway, I was reading a little bit more on this and in... Uh, where where is it? I I copied and pasted it. Oh, so Russell Moore. Russell Moore is the director of the Public Theology Project at Christianity Today, which is a big Christian media outlet. And he said that if he were a teenager today, he may also have left the church. He found that quote: "They have come to think the church doesn't believe its own moral teachings, mm-hmm. and so." The presenting issue in this secularization is not scientism and hedonism, but disillusionment and cynicism, which I think really just hits the nail on the head. And I appreciate that someone like Russell Moore, who is very active in evangelical subculture, would just hit the nail on the head like that and be so frank and so honest. Wow. And I, I think it's important to to talk about the these these types of things, whether you use the term exvangelical or uh, deconstructed, or uh, I one podcast I listened to, they called it menopause, <laughs> which I thought oh, was, pretty, wow. was pretty cute. Like menopause? But, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> I wanted to make sure I was getting that reference correct. 
So uh. just, yeah, I, I just wanted to mention that ex-evangelical movement because I just thought it was interesting. I hadn't heard of it. Me either. And I just thought that that was really uh, fascinating. And I appreciate the the candidness of, of Russell Moore for bringing to light some of the reasons why uh, people leave the church, which I think he was exactly right. So yeah. um, obviously there's, there are more nuanced reasons for people, but I think that uh, not seeing the church as following the practices that they're preaching is, is probably one of the biggest reasons why people uh, I would leave say, the church. I would say the biggest <laughs> reason. Yeah, yeah, maybe I wouldn't even, argue with that. Maybe even the only reason. Uh, yeah, it's yeah. I guess you could make the argument that it all kind of comes back to that, even if there are, yeah, you know, other reasons floating around. It probably all stems from that particular thing. Which, like I said, just hit the nail on the head with that one. So we're going to move on to our next segment called Jesus or Jessica. So each week or just kind of whenever we do it. <laughs> whenever one of us has a game and remembers to actually. When we do it. <laughs> and don't you ask questions. One of us, well, I will bring a lyric, a couple of lines of lyrics from either a, I can't talk, a praise and worship or a Christian song or a secular love song and luke is gonna have to tell me if these lyrics are referring to jesus or jessica so i've got some for luke this week these are ones that i've been wanting to use for a little while and now here they are you ready dude nope (laughs) here you go but your love remains true and i don't know why you always seem to give me another try. Man, f*** you. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's true. I don't know why you do that. Oh, man. I, am I undefeated at this point? Yes. Oh, oh man. Um, this, again, I have to go with my gut. This feels like a Jessica it doesn't feel like a praise and worship or a Christian song. This feels like a, a secular song, a, a love song. <sighs> Crossing my fingers. Okay. Here's the thing. Oh, God, just tell me. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. Oh, no. You are going to stay undefeated. Okay. And, and here's why. Because it's both. Because I... Th- can't really tell if what? this is about Jesus or Jessica. What? What are you? What are you doing with this game? You're changing the. What? Are you... Oh man. Okay. So everything I've read kind of teeters back and forth between it being Jesus and then also Jessica, and the lyrics are so vague that it could be one way or the other. Now. Uh, the artist here has said that he wrote it. So, okay, I'm just going to tell you. This song is Home by Daughtry. Oh. And okay. I've been told is, I look like him because I'm bald and have a, a beard. 
No, you're much more attractive than Daughtry. I, um, how dare you, sir? What? I okay, whatever. But anyway, so the, it's the song is just so vague that it kind of goes back and forth on what the song is actually about. Now, Daughtry did say in an interview that right after he had auditioned for American Idol, he was about to leave and go to Hollywood, and so he knew he was going to be away from home for a while, so he wrote it because of that. But, man, some of the lyrics in this song are very, like, are you talking about just wanting to be home? Anyway, I I wanted to do one where it could go either way, so this is what I chose. So, so you're, you're still undefeated. You're padding my resume for well, <laughs> Jesus or Jesse. <laughs> I, and I will put this on my resume. That well, but, but if you go by Daughtry's words, then it's not about Jesus. And so you did get it right, so it's fine. Um, Jessica just happens to be his home and that's, um, that's what he's talking about. But yeah, so that's Daughtry with the song home. Yeah. Undefeated with an asterisk. (sighs) Thanks. Hey, it's still Uh, undefeated. Yeah. Or if you want to put that in the tie column, we could, you could have a tie. You could be like eight and O and one or something. (laughs) You don't understand that because you don't watch sports, but, uh, (laughs) <laughs> yeah except alley-oop you you know that yeah. game <laughs> uh. <laughs> moving right along to our next music segment it's our secular song of the week One of us brings a secular song that speaks to us in some way. And for this week, it was Luke's turn to bring the secular song. So, Luke, what song did you bring for us this week? Uh, Okay, so this is not going to be the only time that I do a song by this person. And I, I know I've introduced one particular song to you and... This is not one of those songs. I don't think that I've told you about this guy or this song before by this guy. Uh, and I, I did a lot of research to try to figure out, like to try to find commentary and to figure out what the symbolism meant. I couldn't find anything. So we're going to just listen to the song and then we're <laughs> going to talk about what we think the lyrics mean. And I think that'll okay. be fun too. So this is Indian Rope Man by Richie Havens. Oh, okay. And uh, particularly, I listened to the studio version uh, earlier today, and it is high energy, but I feel like the 1969 live version uh, from Paris is, although less instrumental, is even higher energy for me particularly. I I get more out of it. So uh, we will listen to Richie Haven's 1969 performance live in Paris of Indian Rope Man. So we will have a clip or the full song, depending on your Spotify membership, and we will meet you back here in just a few. All right, so we all just listened to Richie Haven's uh, 1969 live performance in Paris of Indian Rope Man. Before I get into all the things that I want to talk about, 
this song an artist uh cj i wanted to get your first impressions did, ha- did i recommend this song to you before or is this the first time uh i don't know i mean you've recommended this whole the whole album <laughs> the whole performance i recommend it to everybody because it's yeah. fantastic yeah but i don't yeah i don't think i've heard this song but before today i mean but yeah i really <laughs> i mean i love richie haven so the man i just I don't really know any background on this song, but he just, he has this really, really good way of making his songs sound like black spiritual songs. I I, I don't know if that makes sense, but this song is just kind of haunting and it has a, yeah, such a good word. Yeah. Kind of that D the D minor that that's basically Ugh. the backbone of, of this song is such a good chord and it's so he uses it so well here with with kind of having some low end but also picking up the, the higher end strings. Man, it's wow. I just Haunting is a really, really good word. I love that for a commentary on this song. And it's it's dark, but it's again like I like I mentioned before. If you listen to the studio version, it's the studio version is higher energy because of there's more instrumentals going on. But to me, this is the energy that I like. <laughs> yeah, it, it's stripped down. It's raw. It's man, I can't. I don't even know where to begin with this song. There's a richness. There's a history. Like even if you don't know this song or have any idea what he's talking about it it kind of speaks to your bones about how yeah. man it's just so good i and this is this is what i was talking about before we listened to the song is i did research on this song and i i could not find commentary on this song i could not find anything that was trying to explain the symbolism and the imagery that's here and so that's why i wanted to just talk with you about it and you know we can just break down the lyrics and see what oh the cat's going crazy and and see what we think the lyrics are trying to say now i'm gonna back up a bit and uh go into the history a little bit uh richie havens uh he was born in 1941 january of 1941 Mm. and at the age of 20 uh you know he was born in brooklyn new york at the age of 20 he left brooklyn and went to Greenwich, Greenwich Village, Manhattan, which is still in New York. But uh, he took that as an opportunity to leave his hometown and figure out what his artistic style would be. Like most heroes, he left home to figure out who he was. And uh, he started out performing poetry in the beat, the beatnik days of the 1950s. Uh, he he was an artist. He, he drew uh, he drew po- portraits for a, a few years and obviously grew up listening to all kinds of music, a, a lot of folk music and obviously the the, the spiritual songs. Uh, and it wasn't until I, I, I wasn't able to find any specific time period of his life, but I would assume his late teens, early 20s before he picked up the guitar. And if you are keeping track of the timeline, <laughs> he was born in 41 and this Live performance was in 69. So at 28 years old is when he performed this song live in Paris, growing up as uh, a black man in uh, New York. (laughs) So that's really impressive. (laughs) Man. 
I, I I could have sworn that Richie Havens has always been 67 years old with the way his voice sounds. <laughs> but at 28 is when he performed this song live in Paris. And this is also the same year that he performed at Woodstock, right? Woodstock was 69. Um, mm-hmm. And we will get into that on another episode because I have a lot to say about Richie Havens at Woodstock. And if you can't wait, definitely look into Richie Havens' Woodstock because it is a fascinating look into this this man and his music. But for now, I'll just say that, yes, he was 28 at the time that he performed this. And he was already, obviously, if you listen to the live version, people were clapping because they recognized his performance of this. And, hmm. man, I, I... There's something about this man that like i said before it just speaks to the to my very bones uh i don't know where to start i'll pass it off to you what what else do you want to say about these lyrics because we're just gonna start digging into these lyrics because there's so much imagery here and i I don't know how to interpret them in his context maybe we can interpret them in our context today because you you speak. I, I I I'm speechless every time I listen to this man. <laughs> so so there there's a there's a mystical aspect to this song, yeah. right? I, I mean, it's clearly there's clearly something going on with with uh, how do I say it? Like native mysticism, mm-hmm. Indian mysticism, and. I I noticed while we were listening to the song in the first verse, the first stanza, I don't know if you want to call what, what this song is verses, but he talks about the fog, fog dangling thick, Such. can't see the right, can't see the right road. Streets are sick. And then a few stanzas later, he says, Indian rope band flexes his eye, dissolving the fog, revealing the lie. Oh, so... You're, I don't know what it means, but it's so good. <laughs> which is which is so good, and and then just the callback to the fog, yeah. right? I mean, if you want to get interpretive, the fog being some sense of where you're going or who you are, and you can't, you don't know because the fog or whatever metaphor you want to use there is obstructing your view it your the visibility has been lessened because of the fog mm-hmm. and i guess the indian rope man whoever that is <laughs> is <laughs> showing you the right way right uh, that that's i just i picked up on the fog thing and, and there's actually a couple of callbacks in the song he talks about a retired layman looks on in scorn with a transplanted heart and then again a few stanzas later, Indian rope man holds my trick in his heart. And, and then he says when his soul transcends his heart too, he, he talks about heart a few different times, but man, I just, I don't really know, know what the song is about. I know me either, but there it's, but it makes me want to dig into it and dive into it and try to figure out what, what, what he's talking about. I don't know what the song means, but it feels so real to me. It feels so honest and raw. Uh, and that's why I love this song because I can keep listening to it and, and find something else to latch on to. man, for some reason, ever since I first heard this song, 
the line, uh, the eight-day mill might grind slow, but it grinds fine. I just want to scream and cry. <laughs> it's it's just, <laughs> it's so good. Uh, that that oh, line man, is... I, that I mean, it immediately stands out. It's it's all it's like his hook, yeah, for the listener. It might grind slow, but it grinds fine. Is just I mean, it's such a good way to look at how life is, yeah. and just the you have to you have to remember that you're still moving forward, yeah. even though the your plans and the things that you have laid out might not be coming to fruition at the pace that you would like them to, that it's still moving and you're still working toward a goal or moving toward the finish line or whatever metaphor you want to use there. It's just going slower, but you have to, you have to trust the process, right? Again, I don't know what this song means, but there's something about it where, yeah, I, 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 I want to, to cry it out and scream these lyrics out loud, but also I just want to sit in them. That's that's what I was talking about earlier with the 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 energy that's there. It almost doesn't need the music to have the energy for me. It you know I want to cry out these lyrics, but I'm also speechless at the same time listening to them. Right, which is why I wanted to talk to you about it because I don't. It's almost too much. It's it, it, it's too much. Like. I, <laughs> like I, I'm speechless as I'm trying to say that I'm speechless. I don't. I. I. I man, it's just so good. I don't know what else to say. <laughs> uh, talk about the music. <laughs> Let's talk about the music because uh, I know you picked up your guitar and you were trying to figure out the, mu- the yeah, music. Yeah, I, I mean the the backbone. Like I, I said earlier, the backbone of the song is in d minor it it just kind of lives in d minor for you know three out of the four lines in each stanza and then it'll shift to a b flat and then an a or an a seventh and you have there's uh there's e minor e minor seventh something some somewhere i think it's a seventh in there and the the living in the d minor is so it's uh it's kind of it's Oh, yeah. See, you stole my thunder last week. <laughs> so I'm saying that D minor is nasty, right? It, because song is so nasty. It's so good. Because it it's unexpected to live. Usually D minor is just kind of a chord that you throw in with like an F or something and you move on. You, you, you throw it in there and then boom, you're right on to maybe an F or a C or something like that. A B flat. But this song legitimately just lives in that D minor, and it's it's the perfect thing. It, the music is so understated, mm-hmm. but what he's doing on guitar is so, <laughs> actually really technical. Really, and yeah, and so when you when I pick my guitar up and I start messing around along with the song, and I figure out okay D D minor, there we go, and then I start listening. I'm just kind of strumming it, just strum strum. And then I realize, oh my God, he's doing all kinds of crazy stuff. Banana, and of course, banana, he gets banana, into those. Yeah, it's, it's he gets into those so crazy, <laughs> um, those those really choppy strums that he does a lot. Oh yeah, and the kind of the Shane and Shane. I was uh, gonna say Shane and Shane. 
I was gonna say Shane and Shane, but way before, way before Shane and Shane. Well, yeah, yeah. Oh. But but it but it it is reminiscent of that, yeah. and he does that a lot in in his and, songs. So and he does it better uh, than Shane. Yeah, well, and it, because it's so, it's not as polished. It's not as it's not as intentional. Like look what we look what I can do kind yeah, of thing. To, it's, to me, Richie Havens has this. It's just him pouring his soul out into his music. He's not hmm. trying to impress you with how fast he can strum or how nasty his guitar riffs are. It's just it really does feel like he is just being as honest and raw as he can be, and mm-hmm. what's what's in his soul comes out through his voice and his instrument. Yeah, man, it's so good. <laughs> Our listeners might get tired of me just saying it's so good, but man, it's so good. <laughs> it is, and it, and you know, to be to be honest with you, th- those types of of things that he does, where he's really chopping on the guitar or whatever, it's it's a feel thing. It's not mm-hmm. something that he's rehearsed. Yeah. You can tell that it's very much it's, a, especially cause this is a live performance. It's coming out of him naturally. It's yes, it's in the moment. And, and that's what makes it that much more special is you can tell that it is a feel thing. And I, I don't, I just I really like the song. Oh, no, I man. think it tells us, <laughs> I think it tells a story where I, it, it's telling a story because that final stanza, Indian rope man sees all strife, cutting down eternal life. When his soul transcends his heart, kiss him quick, he has to part. And so it's <laughs> cutting down eternal life is a crazy lyric, by the way. But yeah, I just, I really, you can tell that he was a poet, right? Oh, you can yeah. tell that he that he wrote poetry now in the context of in the context of music and and the way that lyrics are written okay he's rhyming there's a there's a pretty standard rhyme scheme here it's nothing crazy but the the imagery and the way that he uses words in such a a condensed very concise way just screams poetry to me yeah. because poets are able to get their point across in as few words as possible. And that's something that I've always struggled with as a songwriter is making my lyrics straight to the point and not wasting words and not wasting syllables and not using fillers. And it's so hard to do and it's hard to get out of your own head with it. But if you are someone who has a background in poetry, you have the, you have the advantage. It's, yeah, and it's it's not a it's not a taught thing. It's not something that you can teach another person. You just have to be able to feel out what you want to say and how you can get it across in the most impactful way, but using the fewest words possible. And that is the true mark of not just a a, a great poet, but a great songwriter, great a artist, great, any, a great artist, exactly, and this song shows that he can do that and he's no slouch. He's, he's the real deal. Yeah. And I would challenge anyone (laughs) out there. That's anyone out there. That's that likes writing poetry or is dabbling in poetry or songwriting or even just prose and uh, narrative or, or whatever you're, you're writing 
challenge yourself challenge yourself to to write something in the fewest words possible in whatever yeah. whatever wh- however that looks to you tr- just try it it's not as easy as it seems yeah and when you get to the end of doing that if you're like me you're going to say this sucks because it it takes some raw talent to do it you can definitely refine things and and maybe start out with something that's a little bit more expansive and then whittle it down and and use different imagery and different metaphors for things that maybe you were more straightforward with in your writing you can you can whittle it down and edit and get it down but it takes it takes a special kind of talent to be able to just put pen to paper and come up with something like this and yeah, I just, I'm, it's, it's very impressive. Yeah. I, I would say it takes talent for sure, but it also takes bravery to get to that talent because it takes bravery to write something down and know that you're going to be writing down bad words, <laughs> like bad lyrics. Mm-hmm. You're writing, you're, you're writing down crap and then you're literally polishing a turd. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, n- n- so many times, uh, you know, because I'm a creative person, you know, I, I do woodworking, I make pottery, and people say, oh, well, that's just, you know, that's just natural talent. It's like, screw you. Like, <laughs> I, I've put a lot of work and pain and effort into doing this thing, and I've had way more failures than successes, and you're only seeing the successes, and you think that I'm naturally talented. No. I'm not naturally talented. I'm bad at everything. <laughs> I, 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 the reason why you you may like the thing that I've made is because I've put a lot of hours and effort into making the thing. So no, there's no right. there's no such thing as natural talent. Mm-hmm. Uh, even even if you show a proficiency in something, you still have to work at it. And man, to to bring it back to Richie Havens, I just don't know. I <laughs> don't know. I don't know where these words are coming from other than just an honest representation of of life itself. To go back, you mentioned that the song kind of tells a story. The eight-day mill might grind slow, but it grinds fine. Things take time. Things may seem rough, but it's leading somewhere. And then, man, this other line here really speaks volumes. Uh, Indian Rope Man, while looking on, tells common clay he's heavenly born. And that I cannot help but think of God creating man out of out of the dirt uh, in in Genesis, mm-hmm. and then going on to like oh yeah okay so things are gonna take a while but it's 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 working towards something humanity comes out of the dirt uh, and then we have to uh, where does it say uh, you know dissolving fog revealing the lie it's it's we're seeing reality for what it is and we have to make our own peace with that uh, man I, I didn't even think about that when it, until you said that it, the song tells a story but it absolutely does it, man <laughs> richie havens uh, if you haven't heard this name before definitely look this man up because his his music is something very special and i could keep rambling on <laughs> but but if cj do you have any final thoughts before i just keep talking. <laughs> Need to take a cold shower after this uh, episode. I do. It's, um, oh, it's so good. I um, there there's so many good 
lines in this song, whether it's couplets or, or even just single lines. I guess for me, like you said, dissolving the fog, revealing the lie. I hadn't looked at it from that perspective of seeing things as they are, but that's that's the first step to enlightenment. That's the first yeah. step to to fulfillment and happiness and peace, whatever you want to call it, all of the above. It's finding that's, the truth. Yeah. That the 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 re, the real sin is living in the lie and not acknowledging that it is a lie and not acknowledging that you are fooling yourself and you think that you're fooling people around you, but you have to see things as they are and stop trying to see things as you want them to be, or Mm -hmm. only see the things that you find acceptable and begin appreciating things because they are and saying yes to the moment and saying yes to what is yeah that that is the path to enlightenment in my mind and yeah you can define enlightenment however you want to whatever that looks like for you that's fine but the first step to me is to accept reality and to accept things for what they are and you you hear the old cliche the old phrase it is what it is and everybody says that and it, it it's it's cliche right it it rings hollow now because it's been so overused but it it's true <laughs> i mean you have to be able to to accept things for what they are and not for some lie that you're living in because you can't deal with the way things are yeah. And I don't know. That's just, that's my final takeaway. Yeah. And so if you're listening to this still, if you, if you stuck on, if you've hung out with us long enough to hear this, you can obviously tell God that, bless we're both, you. that yeah, you can tell that we're struggling to put into words and, and, and practical words, the, the poetic nature of this, of this song, but really the song <laughs> speaks for itself even though it takes a lot of thought to really understand what the song is trying to say, and everyone can have different interpretations of the song. But that's why I wanted to talk about this song, and I think that's why there's probably not a lot of commentary on this song, is because it speaks to everyone differently, and it's just, it's so good <laughs> to say that one last time. So with that, we will uh, well, we will end this segment, and we will meet you are we doing anything (laughs) (laughs) well so i do i do want to do a quick what would jesus do oh Um, yeah so i don't think that this has been in any of the released episodes i don't i don't think so no so what would jesus do is a segment that i try to do as often as i can but um I, sometimes I don't get around to it and I'll try to be better about that in the future, I promise. But it's basically just things that are happening in the world. I try to find things that are local, as is the case today, but positive things that are happening. They don't have to be Christian or, or church related at all. This one just so happens to be. But so I live in a pretty small area. It, mm-hmm. the there's It's Twin Cities. One's a population of about, I don't know, like 30 or 40,000. And the the city across the river is like 15,000 or something like that. Pretty small area. 
So churches tend to be, and denominations tend to be pretty segmented and kind of, they stick to their own kind, so to speak. But there's been this thing that's been happening in the area. It's, I I couldn't find it just on the fly because it was just literally something that I decided to talk about right in this moment. But it's basically an interfaith uh, ministry. And they, it's, it's these church leaders from all different denominations and all different religions. In fact, you've got uh, Christian, Protestant, Catholic, the different denominations therein, uh, Presbyterian, Baptist, Pentecostal, uh, Methodist, and the like. And then you have uh, some Jewish uh, leaders in the community. And then also you have some of the political folks from the area that go to these interfaith gatherings. And basically what these gatherings are doing is they are talking about how to help the community and the in the ways that as believers in a higher power, how can they contribute to people and to the people who are out there in the trenches. And I saw a post a couple of days ago that they were providing utility assistance for people. They were accepting applications for people and families that needed assistance with paying their electricity or water bills. And that to me speaks volumes. When we talk about what would Jesus do, (laughs) I think if Jesus lived in the 21st century, this is what he would be doing. He would be trying to fulfill a need in the community that a lot of people are struggling with and have been struggling with for the last couple of years with the pandemic and all and the shutdowns and all of these other things that have kind of changed the world that we live in. And I just, I really, really love the fact that I, I mentioned how small my area was because of the fact that denominations and churches tend to, to stick to themselves and they, and, and, from from me, from my point of view, from an outsider's point of view, that is, I feel like they just kind of stay within their own walls. And then if they're going to do any kind of mission work or or outreach, they're going to do it in a vacuum with their church and they're going to put their church's stamp on it. And it's going to be about what they did. Mm-hmm. And the fact that all of these different church leaders and all of these different political figures are coming together and they're trying to solve problems is just something that really made me feel good the other day. And so shout yeah. out to all those churches. If I had the list in front of me, I would name every single one of them. But I, I just think that that's something that's that's really fantastic. Mm-hmm. And anyway, that's all I have for that segment. All right. Well, we're going to head on out. Thank you all so much for listening. If you want to send us a song request that you would like for us to do, or you want to send in a Jesus or Jessica or a minor divine, you can always email us at praise and podcast at gmail.com. The email is also in the show notes. Just make sure that if you do send us an email for a request or an idea for a segment that you put that in the subject line so that it gets sent to the right person and there's no cheating because <laughs> I'm eventually going to get Luke and he's going to miss one. So if you send a Jesus or Jessica, make sure you put that in the subject line and all that good stuff. We would love to hear from y'all. And until next week, please always remember to love your neighbor as yourself. Bye, guys. Bye.
Uh, can, okay, so that's a good spot to pause because I really, I'm about to piss myself. 